Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. All right, let's get into the word today. Um, we are, it's a bittersweet moment for me, we are concluding a series that we have been in for the past 10 weeks entitled By Faith. Everyone say By Faith. And uh, over the last 10 weeks, we've been talking about what it looks like to live by faith and not by sight, as we're commanded to do in Scripture. Uh, at the beginning of 2022, we sensed the Holy Spirit inviting us to elevate our expectations, to, to believe for that which we do not see. Instead of being moved by what we look at in our normal day-to-day lives, to, to be more convinced of what we see when our eyes are closed, when we're praying, when we're believing what God has promised us. And in that process, I have seen the faith level of the Father's house rise over the last 10 weeks. People believing for healings and believing for miracles and seeing breakthrough in ways that we've been contending for for years. And I, I love what God has been doing in our community for the last 10 weeks. Uh, if you missed any of those, let me strongly encourage you, go back, check them out on the website, check them out on the podcast. I really do believe that they have the ability to be like seeds in your heart that will grow and mature into great faith. And uh, I, I just, I love what God has done. Uh, but sadly, we have to conclude today. And I suppose that we could go on another 10 weeks, maybe even 10 months, talking about these people in scripture that we've been, we've been studying. As you know, we've been looking at the book of Hebrews chapter 11, and we've looked at people like Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham, Sarah and Moses, the people of Israel. And we've seen how their stories can inspire our own story, how we can apply their great acts of faith to our current context. And there's a lot of other people in scripture that we could look at, but uh, alas, we have to end today. And I thought this was comical as I was preparing the sermon this week. Uh, even the author at this point in his narrative decides, you know what, I think we've talked about enough people and so you can move on and go on to the next series. Look at, look at what he says in Hebrews 11, uh, uh, excuse me, he, yeah, Hebrews 11, verse 32. He says, how much more do I need to say? <laughs> it would take too long to recount the stories of faith, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah. How many know who that guy is? Okay. David, Samuel, and all the prophets. He's like, I've talked too much. We've already looked at enough people. You should have faith by now. So if he thinks that we should conclude, then I suggest we conclude this morning. Sounds like a good plan. Also, I feel like since it's the 11th week and we've been studying Hebrews 11, it just feels like timely. Like we should just conclude the series, almost providential. You know, we're going we're gonna to conclude on the 11th week. But Fear not, this is not the last you have heard of by faith at the Father's house. Uh, as we said, this is our theme for 2022, and we're gonna continue to talk about this and pepper it in throughout the year. And who knows, maybe at our four-year anniversary, the worship team will have written a song called By Faith that we will release as a single into the masses here, and we'll sing it out together. So you haven't heard the end of By Faith. However, today, as we conclude the series, uh, I'd like to conclude by looking at how the author himself concludes the thoughts of Hebrews chapter 11. And for that, we actually need to move into the next chapter of scripture, Hebrews chapter 12, uh, which might sound a little bit odd, but just as a reminder, um, these were not always books with chapters and verses. It wasn't until the second century that the Bible was canonized and we see it the way we see it today. As you know, many of you, the, these were originally letters written to specific people groups. And thus the, the thoughts of an author don't have to be condemned contained to chapters and verses. And the way that this author concludes his thoughts actually bleeds into the first two verses of chapter 12. So we're going to look at that today, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Uh, if you've got a Bible, you can turn there. If not, they will be on the screen. But here's what he says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, speaking, of course, of those that we've been discussing for the last 10 weeks, let us throw off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily entangles. 
And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We do this by fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorned its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Based on the images of this text, I want to give us a title as we jump in today. And I have to apologize. You know how much I love naming sermons after songs. Today is one of those days. Uh, And uh, I would like to borrow the chorus and the title of the great 1984 anthem from Michael Jackson himself. We're going to call this Somebody's Watching Me. (laughs) It always feels like You are no longer allowed to be a part of the worship team. Okay. (laughs) Somebody's watching me. Come on, turn to someone next to you, tell them somebody's watching me, and then we're going to pray. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. Thank you that it has the power to transform our lives. And as we go to the ancient text today, I pray that it would not be old stories contained in leather-bound pages, but that it would be alive and active and relevant to our current situations. Lord, I pray that everything we've learned over the last 10 weeks would be catalyzed today as we go to this text and we would learn what it means to run the race of faith well. We love you and we thank you for what you've done and more importantly, what you're gonna do before we leave this place today. In the great name of Jesus and the church said, amen, amen. Um, I, I believe and I feel that I've learned in my studying of the Bible that, that all of us approach scripture with certain lenses, I think we'd like to think that we can approach the Bible 100% objectively, but honestly, it's impossible because we all have different personalities. We all have different giftings and callings. We, we all have different life experiences, some good, some bad. And whether we like it or not, we bring all of those to the table as we begin to open up the scriptures and we begin to see the Bible through that lens. Uh, For example, um, I'm a preacher. Shocker, I know. Uh, Or maybe not. Maybe I'm just trying and I'm failing miserably. But I am preaching the word right now. And when I open the Bible, I can't help but see Scripture through the lens of a preacher. When I see Scriptures, I see sermons and I see series and I see thoughts that can be taught. And I keep a little pad by the side of me while I'm studying the Bible and I write down thoughts that turn into sermon series later on down the road. I just can't help it. It's the way that I'm wired. And those of you who who are preachers or communicators, you, you probably know what I'm talking about. If you're a musician or a songwriter, when you open up the scriptures, you see song lyrics and you see melodies. You just can't help it. If you're a leader, whether that is in the church realm or in the vocational realm, and you open up the Bible, you will see leadership principles. You just can't help it. Certain things jump up off the page based on the way you're wired. If you're a pragmatist and a linear thinker, you probably love books like James and Proverbs or First and Second Timothy. If you are a feeler, or as my wife likes to call it, emotionally intelligent, which is insulting to the rest of us who are not, then you probably like the Psalms. And, you know, if you're a little bit drama, you might like Ecclesiastes. If you're thirsty, you probably like Song of Solomon. If you're a pessimist, you might like the book of Job. There are certain scriptures that will resonate with you just simply based on the way that you're wired and your calling and your personality and your life experience. You just can't help it. And if that's true, then today, as we go to this text, if you are a runner in the room, somebody who likes to run, uh, then you'll probably get a lot out of our sermon today. This, this, This passage of scripture is probably right up your alley. In fact, let me just check this morning. How many runners do we have at the Father's house? 
Okay, see, you can put your hands down, okay? See, here's what's annoying to me. Anytime you ask any other group of people, hey, how many of you are this? If they're like, you know, excited about it, woo! Runners are just arrogant. They're like, yep, that's me. I already know I'm better than you. I don't need to prove it to anybody. I'm a runner. That's right. That's what... They're just so judgy, aren't they? Like, they prance around in their neon short shorts with their AirPods in, probably listening to classical music or some educational podcast. Look at you disdainfully as they run by. I'm just there minding my own business, walking and eating ice cream. Gross, I accidentally looked at. Just judging me with your eyes as you walk by. Man, runners are all like that. No offense. <laughs> but truth be told, I, I actually, I, I really would love to be a runner. Like, I'm a little, shut it. I'm jealous of runners. I've tried, okay? Like, when I look at runners, I'm like, yeah, I feel like I could do, like, there's some real runners in our church. I found out last service, uh, so our, our friend Isaac, who I just called out a moment ago, he's like the real deal runner. Like, not a, you know, a recreational guy. He ran, I called it a super marathon. It's an ultra marathon. <laughs> uh, super marathon. Uh, ultra marathon, uh, which is 100 miles, he shared last service. So he ran like running, he just kept running and running for a hundred miles. And I'm like, dude, I get tired driving a hundred miles. Like if I drive from here to San Jose, I'm like, give me a snack, give me a Gatorade. I'm hangry, but that guy can run a hundred miles. And I've tried, I've tried to do the runner thing. Like I, I bought the shorts, they're awesome. My wife loves them. Uh, I bought the shoes. I got the AirPods, put in the music. I even tried different spaces. I ran around like Lake Merced and I ran up and down the great highway. I thought maybe if I'm looking at God's creation, it'll be inspiring. Nope. Mile and a half in, two miles in. I'm like, my knees hurt, my feet hurt. This is horrible. You know what's better than running? Walking. Walking is a lot better than run with ice cream. Those are the best two things together. So I don't run. And let's just get this out of the way now because I know how you runners are. You're already like, you're already strategizing how you're gonna come up to me after the service and you're gonna tell me about these shoes that will make my knees not hurt and if I just change my stride, then perhaps I can become a runner. I know how you people are, just don't, okay? Just go out into the lobby, eat the donuts like a normal person. Don't come tell me that I'm inadequate. Let's just be comfortable with the way that God made us, okay? I'm in good enough shape, I don't need to run. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. <laughs> but if you are one of those runners in the room today, like I stated, this, this scripture is, is right up your alley because this is, this is all about a race. This is all about running. For the rest of us, we're going to need to use our imagination a little bit. But, but realistically, what, what we're being shown here in, in Hebrews chapter 12 is that the analogy of a race is very similar to the way we've been called to live the life of faith. After the author tells us here about all these great men and women that came before us, he uses this phrase. He says, therefore, in light of all that I've shared with you, I compel you, I urge you, I implore you to run your race. He begins to use runner's language and he makes it clear it is a race. It's not a walk. Sorry, Tim. It's not a stroll. There's no ice cream. There is some urgency about this thing. But he also makes it clear it's not a sprint, meaning you're going to need to pace yourself because this thing is a journey. Faith is a journey. The life of faith is that. It is a lifelong journey. 
I know a lot of believers that start out really strong and they peter off because they just got all hopped up on zeal. So he says, you need to pace yourself. There's some endurance needed to finish this race. And then to ensure that we have what we need to finish, he begins to unpack for us where we can source endurance from. And to him, it's found in these three incredibly important words that you'll find often in scripture. He says this, we need to fix our eyes. Will you say that with me? Fix our eyes. That is an an incredibly important phrase in scripture. In the English, it would be easy to assume that that is a singular thought, to look at something. But in the Greek, this this word actually has a dual meaning. Uh, In the Greek, it's the word aphoreo, and it means to turn the eyes away from other things so that you can fix them on something else. To, to turn away from something so that you can focus your direction on something else. His urging is actually a two-part process. He's saying, hey, if you're gonna run your race, you need to fix your eyes on Jesus. But in order to do that, it's gonna require that you first turn away from some other things so that you can focus your attention on Jesus. And here's why this is so important for every one of us today is if we're running the race of faith, here's why you need to know this. This truth will prove out in your life whether you like it or not. You will run in the direction of your gaze. Your, your, your pace, your stride, it's gonna follow where your eyes are at. You will run where you're, I wouldn't suggest trying this right now. You can try it this afternoon. Try running in a direction that you're not looking. Try going into a crosswalk, looking to the side and just, it's not gonna end well for you. You might run into a pole, you might trip, you might fall, but inevitably what will happen is your body will follow your eyes. Why? Because wherever you're looking is where you're running. And thus, if we want to run in the direction of Christ today, we need to first take our attention away from some things so that we can focus it on him. And what I'd like to do over the next 20 minutes or so in in, in our chat together is, I want to give you a few directions that you cannot afford to look if you are going to run your race well. Some directions you cannot be fixed on if you're going to fix your eyes on Jesus. So for you note takers, here's the first one. Perhaps the most obvious place you cannot be looking if you're going to run in the direction of Christ is behind you. You cannot look behind you and run. I can't even bend behind me. I don't do enough yoga, you know. You cannot run if you're looking behind you. In in the natural, it also plays out in the spirit. You cannot run in the direction of Christ if you are spending all your time looking in the rearview mirror where you came from. Uh, Look at at what the Apostle Paul says here uh, in the book of Philippians chapter 3. He says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Very similar language here, you'll notice. Using that runner's language again, Paul reiterates this two-part process. He says, this one thing I do, and then he tells us two things that he does. (laughs) This one thing that I do, I, I, I forget what's behind me so that I can press on towards the goal, towards the prize, towards the finish line, towards that place that Christ is calling me. In order for me to get there, I need to forget that which is behind me, my past. And Paul had a lot of stuff to forget from his past. 
Maybe you've got a lot of stuff you need to forget from your past. Let me tell you this. I think one of the main reasons that believers stay stunted in their growth, that they don't make any progress in their race, is because they have not learned how to forget that which is behind them. Let me say it like this. They can't see past their past. They're so busy focusing on what's behind that they don't even see where God's calling them to run. To use the analogy from our sermon a couple of weeks ago, they're so focused on the, the Egyptians chasing them down that they don't see the Red Sea that's opened up before them. And their, their past, that which is behind them, becomes like an anchor that keeps them bolted to the ground and they can make no progress moving forward. To quote another story, for those that might be familiar, it's like Lot's wife when they were leaving Sodom and Gomorrah. What happened? She turned and she gazed in the place that God was calling her out of and she got stuck looking that direction and never got to move into what God had for her future. And there's a lot of believers that are just stuck looking behind them. I've mentioned this before, but um, before we planted this church, my wife and I oversaw uh, a ministry, the church we came from, called Life Change. And uh, the Life Change retreats, events, they were a two-day event where uh, we would take people through some stuff that might have taken place in their past, hurts, hang-ups, habits from the past. Uh, we'd talk about things like forgiveness and family wounds and addictions and sexuality and all kinds of stuff that might be holding them back. And the goal of the retreat was not to just talk about those things, but to release them to Jesus so that they could walk in freedom for the future. And by the end of the retreat, fill them up with the Holy Ghost and send them on their way. It was great. But, but I'll never forget many of the conversations we would have during these retreats with people who found themselves stuck staring into the past, just looking at that which was behind them. I met a woman who was in her 60s, and she explained that back in her teenage years, she was very sexually promiscuous, and her sexual activity resulted in a sexually transmitted disease that she had for her entire life. And every time she thought about that disease, it was like a reminder of who she used to be. For decades, it was this cloak of shame that she wore. And it made its way into her marriage. It made its way into her relationship with Jesus. And it was like she could not move from who she used to be because she was just stuck looking in the past. I met a woman one time who had an abortion when she was younger. And every time she tried to get close to Christ, she just felt this incredible amount of guilt and shame for taking the life of an innocent baby. And she just could not get past that. She was just staring at where she came from. And she's like, I don't feel worthy to approach God because I took out part of his creation. I met a guy who had an affair and he lost his marriage as a result of it. And then he gave his life to Jesus later. But he said, man, I just don't feel worthy of love because I ruined love last time I had it in front of me. And I just, I don't, I don't think I can move on from that. What is that? Those are anchors. They're like stones tied to the ankles of an individual, keeping them from making any progress in God. And we all have some version of that in our past. Listen, let me warn you right now. You will make no progress in your journey of faith if you are stuck looking at that which is behind you. If you continue to focus on those things, you will lose sight of what God has for your future if you're just too busy looking into your past what was instead of what could be. 
If you spend all your time thinking about missed opportunities, you don't realize you're missing opportunities right now. You spend all your time thinking about what you've wasted and you're wasting time right now in the season thinking about what you've wasted. All your time focusing on the sin that you used to engage in, not realizing that because you're looking at sin, you're continuing to live in sin. And the only way to stop living in sin is to stop looking at it, but to look at Jesus, to fix your eyes on him. So, so you, ha- you have to stop looking in the past. Hey, let me remind you what the scriptures say. Lamentations chapter three. You serve a God whose mercies are new for you every single morning. You woke up today, there's some fresh mercy available to you. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anybody is in Christ, they are a new creation. Behold, old things have passed away. All things have become new again. You're not who you used to be. You are who God has called you to be. And it's time to start moving forward. Stop looking back. Stop looking behind you. Fix your eyes. Fix your eyes. Second direction. You can't afford to look. Perhaps equally as hindering to that which is behind you is those that are beside you, beside. And we talk a lot about that here at the Father's House, and it's important to reiterate, you need some people to run your race with. You need some people of faith to come around you that are running in the same direction, that share your convictions. You need need a group of folks that will come alongside and say, hey, I'm gonna sharpen you like iron sharpens iron. We're gonna run this race together. I'm not gonna let you fall alone. You get down into a ditch, I'm gonna crawl down in there with you, I'm gonna pick you up, and we're gonna walk together. One of our values here at the Father's House, become family, lives flourish in the context of community, and we refuse to let anybody live life alone. We make it super easy for that to happen here. In fact, that's why last weekend I encouraged you as we stopped doing the sign-ins, the check-ins in our lobby as you came into service, I said, hey, if you could stop coming to church, if you stop reading your Bible and stop caring about God and nobody would know about it, that's a problem. Someone needs to know your name. Someone needs to know your story. Someone needs to know your face. You've got to get connected. So join a group or join team or do whatever you got to do so that someone knows you, so that you're known and you know somebody else. That's so important. But, but, but this beside is, is not that. We're not necessarily talking about the people that are beside you. We're talking about what you're focusing on beside you. Remember, this is all about fixing your eyes. And some of us, can't fix our eyes on Jesus because we're too busy fixing our eyes on somebody else's race. We're too busy focusing on somebody else's progress. Let me say it like this. We're too busy comparing. It's been aptly stated that that comparison kills and it does. And you got a lot of opportunities to compare these days. There's a whole lot of people telling you all about their great lives all over social media. You got plenty of ways to compare. But comparison is the great enemy of confidence. There is nothing like comparison that will devalue and diminish what God has done in your life, what he is doing in your life, what he will do in your life, simply by looking at somebody else's highlight reel of theirs. Comparison is is evil. And here's why comparison will mess you up. Because it doesn't take long for you to realize that there's a lot of other people that are running faster than you, (laughs) further than you, freer than you, better looking than you, no offense. Often they're younger than you, less experienced than you. It doesn't take long to look to the left or the right and realize, gosh, 
maybe my pace is insufficient. I feel like I'm running behind in my race. And you can pretend like you don't notice. You, you, you can double tap on social media. Oh, I love that you're succeeding again. <laughs> you can be cordial when you see him in person. Like, oh, I'm just so happy for you. <laughs> but can we strip away the niceties and the formalities for just a moment, please? Hey, if you live in the Bay Area, it is very easy to feel like you are running behind sometimes. Running behind in your career, running behind in your education, running behind in your earnings, running behind in your achievements, running behind in your marital status. If you're not careful, you will spend the entirety of your life trying to catch up because everybody else seems like they're further along than you are. And when you begin to apply that same logic to your faith, they read their Bible more than me, they pray more than me, they seem more spiritual than me, you will very quickly begin to feel insufficient in your race. But, but let's pause for a moment and, and consider what the Apostle Paul says once again in the book of Galatians. Look at what he says. Galatians 6, 4. Each of you must examine your own actions. Then you can be proud of your own accomplishments without comparing yourself to others. Assume your own responsibility. I love that Bible verse. You know why? That Bible verse tells me that it's okay to celebrate myself sometimes. It's okay to celebrate the progress that's taken place in my life without diminishing it by comparing it to somebody else's life. It's okay to be a little grateful for what God's, and listen, this is not some like broken millennial, half-baked, you know, celebrate mediocrity, give everybody a trophy kind of thing. That's not what this is. This is an honest acknowledgement that, hey, I may not be where I want to be yet, and I may not be where that person is. I'm just grateful that I'm not where I used to be, and I am making some progress in this journey. Hey, come on, let me, let me stir up your faith and encourage you in the Lord today. It's Sunday, daylight savings, and you're in church. Celebrate yourself a little bit, come on. Some of you even prayed before you got here. Good on you. Some of you read four days last week. You read the Bible for four days. That's more than you read it all of last year. Celebrate that. Some of you are single right now because you broke up with a deadbeat guy or a deadbeat girl that didn't love Jesus, and you're single because you refused to settle for God's second best for your life, and so you're maintaining this singleness with honor and dignity until God sends the right person. Don't compare to the younger person that's getting married before you are. No, I'm a man of God, I'm a woman of God, and I'm holding out for the same. Celebrate that. Some of you made it five days without tapping into your addiction. Shout out to all the people that made it for five days without tapping into their addiction. That's victory, that's success. Don't stay there, keep going. <laughs> but don't compare it to somebody who's 100 days into their journey and go, oh man, I'm only five days in. Hey, God sets you free, just continue to walk in that freedom. We cannot afford to compare our lives to where other people are at because we will diminish we'll feel insufficient, we will devalue what God is doing in our journey. Let me remind you, pace is not your responsibility, people. This is God's journey, you are just on it, okay? Our job is to stay in step with the Spirit, to walk with Him, don't get ahead, don't get behind, just stay on pace with Him, and let Him worry about when you get to that finish line. You run your race, let Him worry about pace. Oh, hallelujah. Beside, beside, one more, not behind, not beside, last one, 
We can't afford to look beyond. Beyond. Now, this one's subtle, but, but it's important. In fact, sometimes, it's maybe even similar to the last one, but sometimes we, we, we celebrate this when we need to be aware of its potential, existence, uh, its potential existence in our journey of faith, that which is beyond us. What I mean by that is our personal vision for our lives, our plans, our five-year, 10-year, accomplish this, live there, have that salary, retire at this age, have this many kids, these many letters after my name, the blueprint that we all create for our lives, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, nor is it necessarily an unbiblical thing. In fact, the Bible talks about having vision. We should all have a vision for our lives. That is important. We'll talk about that in another series or another sermon another day. But vision becomes a problem when your plans are not God's plans. Because we all like to make our vision statements and our plans, but if those are not in alignment with what God has for us, we can find ourselves running the wrong race. I, I know that this might come across offensive. I've only lived in San Francisco for a little over four years. Some of you have been here your whole lives. But I've, I've noticed something in our culture. And at the risk of throwing everybody under the same bus or offending some folks, I'm going to offer a current insider that used to be an outsider's perspective of some things. I've noticed that in our San Francisco, greater Bay Area culture, many of us get so focused on what's next that we miss what's right now. We're always trying to figure out like, okay, how do, I, how do I leverage this to get that? How do I lateral here from there? We get this title and go from there to there. Everyone's got some of that going on, especially in the tech world. And we're just trying to figure out how to get to what's next, not realizing that we might be missing out on what's right in front of us. The opportunities that, that we have sitting right in front of us. But we can't, we can't get there because we're, we're so focused on what's beyond so, so for just a moment, could, 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 we, could we set aside our visions and our plans and, and our ideas and our blueprints and, and just let the weight of what the wisest man who ever lived had to say kind of settle on your spirit this morning? Because here's what Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. He says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. <laughs> Translation, plan all you want. At the end of the day, God's going to win. His sovereignty is going to prevail. His plan is ultimately what's going to play out in your life. And may we not get so caught up running after our own plan that we end up wasting time not laying hold of his plan for our lives. Maybe the question we need to ask is not what's next, but what does God have in front of me right now? How can I minister right now? How can, how can I live for God in this season? Instead of waiting till the next when I have more, how can I be generous in this season? Maybe I don't have the resource for it, but I can open up my home. I can go out to lunch with somebody. I can, I can be generous with my time. Like, what can I do right now? I know so many people that are focused all of their attention on what's beyond that they are missing the opportunities they have with their children right now. Opportunities they have to invest in their marriage right now. Opportunities they have with their current coworkers, not the coworkers that they might have when they get the job title that they want five years from now. What, what, what does God have in front of you right now? Behind, beside, beyond. If we are focused in any of these three directions, 
We will not run our race. We'll fail at the journey of faith if we're focused in these directions. And so in light of that, let me ask you the question as I do every single week to force all of us to wrestle with the reality of what we've discussed. If those are three directions you can't afford to look, let me ask you, where are you looking today? What are you looking at? What are you looking at? (laughs) What are you looking at? Do any of those three directions have your attention? Are you looking behind you, looking beside you, looking before you? Because if so, we have been warned here what happens. It shouldn't be a surprise when we find this taking place in our lives because we have been given a warning right here in the scriptures what takes place if we find ourselves focusing behind, beside, or beyond us. The author says that in so doing, we invite a foreign agent into our race, a weight, something that wants to trip us up and entangle us. For the sake of analogy, it's like a chain. And you can just imagine this in the natural, but if I start looking around and I start looking at what's behind me and then I start looking at what's beside me and and then I start looking beyond me and then I... Remember again, oh, that's behind me and beside me. And we just start getting ourselves all wrapped up. And before you know it, you're entangled. What did he say? The sin that so easily entangles us. Those weights that keep us from running. When you look like this in the spirit, friends, you cannot run. You're stuck. But the antidote, if we find ourselves here today, is is still the same. I love how simple the gospel is. What does he say? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes. How does that work? Because if I can can fix my eyes on Jesus, if I can set my gaze on him, if I can see the Jesus of Luke chapter four that said the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he's anointed me, to loose every captive, to set free every prisoner. If I can see the John 8 Jesus that said, the spirit of the Lord is gonna set you free. Whom the son sets free is free indeed. If I can see the Jesus that said to me, my plans for your future are good, so you don't need to worry about what's behind you. The Jesus that said, I created you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, so you don't need to compare yourself to someone next to you. The Jesus that said, I will take your chains and I will take your shame and I will take your guilt and I will allow you to throw it upon me so that you don't have to rest in it yourself. If I can see that Jesus, suddenly every chain begins to fall, every weight, every fetter begins to fall, and I am liberated to run the race that God has marked out for me to run. It's not complicated. As we said last week, it is the same simple, rhythmic, circular things over and over and over again that bring about freedom in our lives. You fix your eyes on Jesus by reading the word. You fix your eyes on Jesus by prayer. You fix your eyes on Jesus by getting into a group of people. You fix your eyes on Jesus by coming to church and worshiping and lifting your hands. It's not difficult. We just keep our gaze on him. And it's amazing how doing the simple things over and over and over again liberate our stride so that we can begin to run in the direction that he's calling us to. Fix your eyes. That should be enough to motivate all of us today. That should be enough to take a deep breath, 
stretch out the quads. I think that's what runners do. And then run. But if you need any additional motivation, the, the author has offered us one additional motive to keep us moving. And as we invite the band to come and, and we conclude this series, I want to take a look at that last motivation that we're given here because it is consistent with the title of our chat today. What's the motive? The motive is that somebody's watching me run. For the last 10 weeks, we've looked at the lives of individuals that came before us, and we've considered all the things that they did. Today, as we conclude, the author asks us not to look at what they did, but he asks us to look at what they're doing right now. And according to him, they're watching. They're watching. What did he say in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse one? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, let us run. Get this picture. It's such a powerful picture. As you sit in this room today, as you run your race of faith, there's some people watching. Abel is watching. Enoch, watching. Noah, watching. Abraham, Sarah, Moses, David, Jephthah, watching. Along with a few billion other people that have already finished their race well, they're watching you. Not in a runner's judgmental way, but to encourage you and to spur you on. A cloud of witnesses, the Bible calls it. It's like a packed Greco-Roman Colosseum with thousands of people and you're the only one on the track and they're screaming from the stands, come on, keep running, don't quit, don't tap it. I know you're tired. I know it feels like that last lap got the best of you. Just keep running your race. They're hoping that with every shout and every clap and every ounce of encouragement that, that you'll find the strength to take another stride and another stride and that you won't give up early on this thing called faith. I remember a few years ago, I was uh, looking at Instagram. Um, don't do that anymore at all. And uh, why'd you laugh, Galeri? Uh, and um, a pastor friend of mine from the South Bay, uh, he's got a rather large church. He, apparently had rallied together a few hundred people from his congregation to run a 10K. Fear not, I will never ask you to do that, okay? Like, this is my church. Closest thing to athletics that I'm gonna call you to is what we did a few months ago where we all bought tickets and watched real athletes play on the basketball court and we ate tacos in the stands. That's like my version of how we do athleticism, okay? <laughs> but, but he rallied a few hundred people of his, uh, in his church to, to, to run a 10K together. And, uh, they all had matching shirts and matching short shorts and they ran the, the race and he posted this video. And in the video, there's five or 10 people that are nearing the finish line of this race. It's the last leg of the race. And they look wiped, they look exhausted. Their faces are beat red and they're clearly not runners. But as the camera pans, you see this sea of hundreds of people all wearing the same shirt, all wearing the same shorts. And they're standing along the last leg of the race near the finish line, having already finished their race. And they're cheering on those last 10 people as they make their way to the finish line. Come on, 
You can do it. Giving them high fives along the way, calling out their names. And I'll never forget the caption. The caption read like this. Everybody finished, we win. That's Hebrews 12. Everybody finished, we win. You know how you win in the journey of faith? You know how you win your race? You finish. You don't quit early. You don't tap out because of offense or getting weary and doing good. You pick yourself up, you dust yourself off, and you keep running until you cross that finish line and you see Jesus face to face. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. I know you got beat up along the way. I know you're bruised a little bit. I know you got some scars that tell a story, but you made it. Man, I want every person sitting in this room today to finish. You know how you do that? Remember, you got a cloud of witnesses cheering you on. There's some people calling out your name, saying, come on, you can run your race. And you know who's standing at the front of that cloud of witnesses? Jesus. Who's Jesus? Hebrews 12. He is the author and the finisher of your faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross and scorned its shame. How did Jesus finish his race? Why does he tell you to fix your eyes on him? Because his eyes were fixed on you. You were that finish line he was running towards. The joy set before him. Friends, the cross was not joyful. It is not joyful to be beaten to a pulp, unrecognizable, to give your life on a Roman torture device. That is not joyful. But the picture that Jesus saw as he took those nails in his hands and the nails in his feet was you. A liberated, unfettered, free version, healed version of you running your race and crossing that finish line. You were the joy. And so now he says, hey, I fixed my eyes on you, which is how I got here. That's how I'm sitting at the right hand of the Father. So now you fix your eyes on me because if you see me, you will finish your race. And if you finish, you win. I can think of no more appropriate way to conclude this series than to say this. Fix your eyes on Jesus and just keep running. Just keep running. Let me pray for you as we conclude. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes. And Father, right now specifically, I pray for the weary ones in the room. Pray for those that have gotten tired in their journey. Those that have prayed the prayers that haven't been answered yet. Those that have family members that still don't know you. Those that have believed and done all they know to do, but they haven't seen the breakthrough yet. Right now, we steady their weak knees, as it says in scripture. We lift up their hands in the spirit. And we compel them to run. Run. Keep running. Keep believing. Keep circling. Keep praying. Keep trusting. Don't quit. Finish. Finish. And as we land the plane here, I do want to take a moment and just acknowledge that there might be a few folks in the room today that would say, hey, hey Tim, I, I hear what you're saying about running a race, but um, I don't know that I've even gotten to the starting line yet. I, I'm not in this journey. I can't fix my eyes on Jesus because I, I don't even know him. 
something you did when you were younger and you've been at a distance. Maybe today is the first time you've heard about this God who gave his life for you. But I wanna invite you into the race if you're not running right now. And in just a moment, I'm gonna pray a very simple prayer and you can repeat it in your heart after me. But before I pray, I'd love to know who I'm praying with so that I can see your face as I pray during this week and pray as you get started along on this journey. If that's you, if you need to jump in the race, give your life to Jesus this morning, would you quickly look up at me and lift your hands so that I know who I can pray with today? Got you. Yeah, I got you in the back there, bro. Awesome. Yeah, I got you in the, in the risers there. Hallelujah. All right. I'm gonna pray. You can just repeat this in your heart after me. Say, Jesus, today I give you my life. I thank you for giving yours for mine. Today I, I jump into the race. I forget what, what's behind me. I'm not gonna look beside me. I'm not gonna get so caught up in what's beyond me. I wanna stay in step with you. Help me to be your disciple, to walk in your ways from this moment forward until I cross the finish line and you look me in the eyes and say, well done. Today I give you all of me and I receive all of you in return. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, can we just thank the Lord for all